there's another me out there. Back in June 2020, I was spending most of my afternoons near the TV, watching a show about a drunk-fueled doctor with a limp. The second wave of the pandemic was setting in, and once in a while, I'd stare out of a window and prepare myself for the inevitable existential crisis after the show ended. People fell into all kinds of silly things when they were bored. Some would start reading up on German uniforms during the Second World War, while others would settle for stealing mugs from cafes. For me, however, right before I finished the show, I made a sensible decision. I decided that the solution to my post-TV boredom was to find the love of my life through an app on my phone. Getting started wasn't hard. On a Wednesday afternoon after dinner, I sat down and got down to business. I didn't go down the entire Tinder route and went straight to Bumble. Allegedly, people had to message me first on the app, which meant that I didn't have to come up with cringy pickup lines or send a string of haze to absolute strangers. I found a few photos of myself and filled in my bio. There should be more rabbits with machine guns and I'm a writer. In all of my photos, I looked like I was about to murder someone or planning on actually giving rabbits machine guns. So with all those assets, I started swiping. How would you expect to get matches? My friend Maria said when we were hanging out after my first week of swiping. Back then, my rule was if I ever came across bios written with stuff like mullet, make me laugh, or my dog should like you. It was an instant no. If you want to get dates, you have to stop being so picky. Maria was my confidant in romance. We met during the first year of high school, and our friendship since then was like a humming fan. Mute, yet immediate. Whenever there were ebbs and buds in my love life, she'd always show up. A month ago, she got into a relationship with a guy she dug up from Bumble and said it was the best thing that had happened to her all year. You have to be open-minded enough if you ever want to match with someone or hell, even just to make friends. Her definition of open-mindedness scared the hell out of me. One, she was Russian. Two, because she was the kind of person that go cook marshmallows and ride a skateboard in a park at 10 p.m. The day after the marshmallow incident, she called me and said, Robin, we did it. You what? I almost dropped my phone. Ben, from Bumble, my boyfriend and I, we went into the park last night and we... If that's open-mindedness, I said, I think... I think you should keep reading that How to Be a Human book I got you, she said. Just don't take it too seriously, okay? Just don't take it too seriously. I kept thinking about it when I was making dinner. The kettle was boiling and I was cooking a piece of steak on the stove. Then I took out a leftover carton of orange juice in the fridge and poured myself a glass. The steak was almost ready, but I still had to boil some vegetables. The kettle went ding and right before I was about to take it off the base, my phone vibrated in my pocket. A few boiled drops landed on the back of my hand and I flinched. I quickly wiped it down and reached into my pocket and found a notification from Bumble. Someone named Bethany messaged me. I opened it and the question was, what kind of literature are you into? I sat down on my seat and replied, the kind I won't spill hot water on my hand. You? The phone buzzed again. What the hell? I'm really into sci-fi and dystopian and now I'm reading A Clockwork Orange. I checked the swipe history and I didn't ever remember swiping right on her, but there she was in my inbox. I flipped through her bio and found, I spit facts like rhymes and I like textbooks. I was sold. Then and there my fire alarm went off and I smelled burnt steak. Are you still studying that human's handbook? Maria asked me a few days later when we caught up at a frozen yogurt place. It was the second last face-to-face -face human interaction I had before the lockdown. No, actually. 
I tried to hold back a grin, but she saw it from a mile away. Robin? She narrowed her eyes. What is it? I might have met someone, I said. Oh. She scooped a spoonful of frozen yogurt. Um, Bumble? What's her name? Bethany was a politics major that had quite a presentation. She had a job as a wine seller, and she went to rallies for climate change and indigenous rights. During her first conversations, I asked her what she wanted to do, and she said she wanted to run for office and become a senator for the United Nations and endorse human rights. I was allergic to that line of work called politics, but I swept it under the rug because she was really cute. When she asked me what I wanted to do, all I could conjure up was, I want to ride at cafes and choke to death on cigarettes. So, every unemployed person ever, she said during a call. Well, unemployed and with a drafted novel in my closet, I said. It's called L'Academy. Why is your novel called L'Academy? Well, I studied the French Revolution and I loved it, I said. For real? I found the Russian and the Chinese Revolution more relevant, actually, she said. Well, I studied the French Revolution and thought it was boring. Already there was an unbridgeable gap. She was learning Chinese and I was learning French. I said I wanted to move to Lyon, and she said she wanted to move to Shanghai. When we watched Midnight in Paris together one night, she commented on every possible bourgeois tendency in the film and said that she also wanted to learn Russian just so she could read the Communist Manifesto. Wasn't it originally in German? But other than the minor differences, we had a lot in common. We both hated sloppy fashion senses, and we both planned on being celibates for life. I guess that was one of the things that bonded us, the firm belief that as misunderstood people we would end up single for life. So when the two of us came together, the thought was simply, there's another me out there. I said I thought it simply rot away alone in an apartment in Lyon above a bakery. She thought she thought she died alone in a Soviet-esque quarter with three meals a week. After a few nights of being on calls for hours on end, we were so convinced that we were made for one another. The second wave of the pandemic was setting in, and I remembered that I had something else in my closet. Back when I was still in high school, the history teacher messed up the prescribed reading list so I ended up with both the French and the Russian history textbooks. I studied the French textbook and left the Russian one untouched. So after a flash of genius, one night I said to her, Do you want to meet up? I've got something for you. Our first day was at a park and it was the last face-to-face -face human interaction I had before the second lockdown. The night before the day we ended up on a call that lasted till 2am. See you later today. We were both excited, and she said, let's hope I don't scare you off tomorrow. I said I doubted she would. She pulled up at the park at around 10.30 a.m., and the weather was disgusting. For the occasion, I brought a small check umbrella and conjured up all kinds of scenarios of us walking in rain under it. But the imagination was shattered when she pulled out from her car one of those industrial-grade umbrellas used by sad and grumpy old men during funerals. We looked at each other the way people looked at food at their table they didn't order. But since both of us were there, backing out wasn't an option. We tried to crack into conversations, but every attempt fell flat. She was still the same person with the green eyes and the brunette hair, but those minor differences that were merely political felt insurmountable. We walked through the park, and the rain heavied. Two umbrellas, one small, one big, one Soviet-esque, another Parisian just didn't merge. All the talks about being each other's celibates lost their charge, and we sure were made to torture each other. Then I came up with another genius idea to ease off the tension. I suggested lunch at a pancake parlor, and she said okay. We drove out of the park, and I left my satchel and my umbrella in her car. The satchel had a textbook in it, which I was going to give to her, but I didn't even have a chance to bring it up. 
The rain was tolerable at first, but on our way to the restaurant, a monsoon rained down on us, and we were both drenched. Five minutes of walking in the rain tuned us both out, and all I could look for was the closest bus I could jump in front of. We eventually arrived at a closed restaurant, and with her hair wet, she said, Look, this is not what I had in mind. I know, I shrugged. If you don't mind, I have to get back home. She turned around and walked back into the rain. Now, can I at least... She didn't turn her head. What I tried to say was, could I at least get my umbrella and my satchel back from her car? But she was way too out of it to do that for me. There I was, alone in front of a closed pancake parlor, wondering how in the world I ended up there and thought maybe watching TV alone wasn't a bad idea after all. I walked to the bus stop without my umbrella and went back home. The day after the date, the premier announced that Melbourne was going back into lockdown, this time for another six months. Thank you.